There we go. Those of you, that, yeah, three. Those of you that are watching uh, the recording of this Bible study, I apologize. We've already gone 40, 45 minutes, and the stupid elderly teacher forgot to hit the record button. So we're coming in in the middle of uh, the tail end of chapter 9. We covered verses 7 through um, 20 or 19 or so, so far. I apologize. So that's why there'll be a shorter version this week, but you can get the notes, which will have all the stuff uh, in there that we talked about, hopefully. Um, we're picking it up in verse 20 of chapter nine of Revelation. Uh, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues didn't repent of the work of their hands, the sins. Now we get the specific sins. They didn't stop worshiping demons. What we were just saying is, uh, before the break, that every idol that is worshipped, Satan receives the worship. I want to show you a, a little bit of, of that. And the fact that, that idols are really nothing at all. God makes the point here, doesn't he? Idols that cannot see or hear or walk. It's, it's, he's kind of making fun of, poking fun at, the ridiculousness of worshiping some stone idol or anything, or money, like we said, or power or fame or sex or any of those things that can become idols to people. Um, we're going to take our first detour right now. Uh, we already talked about Pharaoh. We don't need to repeat that. Go to 1 Corinthians 10 with me. So keep your finger in Revelation and go about, uh, I don't know, 14 books back. I'm going to make a guess. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to pick it up in verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you went to Acts or Romans, you went too far. Come back toward Revelation, one or two books. Um, pick it up in verse 18. 1 Corinthians 10, 18. Consider the people of Israel. Do not... Those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar. Verse 19. Do I mean that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans, listen, that's all unbelievers. Any worship of a pagan is not worshiping Jesus or God. That's what he's talking about. Are offered to, what does it say? Demons, not to God. I don't want you to be participants with demons. Um, the point of that is what I was just saying, that no matter what the idol is, and no matter how sincere the people are who worship Baal 5,000, 3,000 years ago, or worship Muhammad or Buddha or whoever else they worship, no matter how sincere the worship is, it's still sincerely wrong, and it's an affront and an insult to the living God who sent his son who can walk, who can see and can hear unlike these idols. That's the point he's making. But all worship that's not offered to God is offered to demons. Are some people actively and with full knowledge worshiping Satan and demons? Absolutely. But I believe a lot don't know that they're doing it. Well, what about sincerity, though, Joe? They're sincerely trying to seek out God. You can't blame them for trying. Listen, the, the things of God are, are clearly seen, Paul says, being understood, what's been made, creation, conscience, chapter 2 of Romans. Men are without excuse, Paul writes. 
back to sincerity, right? Because these people may be sincerely worshiping, but they're worshiping the wrong God. What about them? Here's the answer. If you get up in the middle of the night with a tremendous headache and remember that you saw in the garage a bottle of Tylenol, Okay, so you, in your robe, you're half awake, one eye open, you go out to the garage, and it's dark out there, and you're feeling around, and you find what you think sincerely is the bottle of Tylenol, okay, and it's off actually gopher poison, and you, because your headache's bad, you take four instead of two, but you're sincere, does it matter? No, because you're sincerely wrong. And you're sincerely dead. Yeah, right. Okay, what's your point, Joe? My point is that sincerity doesn't really matter because these people probably are sincere, but they are deceived. They're, first of all, back to verse 20. We're going to spend some time here. Um, worshiping demons. We said it's any other idol. It can be money. The biggest idol on planet Earth, I don't believe, is money. Um, in Colossians, I think it's Colossians, Paul says that um, greed is idolatry. I think that's a big one. I think there's a bigger idol than Buddha, Mohammed, money, sex, power, fame. I said it earlier. Do you know what I think it is? Self. I think people, whether they know it or not, worship the person in the mirror. It's all about me. Um, and by refusing God and Jesus Christ, is that not what we're doing? I'm saying, get off the throne, Jesus. Get off the throne, God. I can handle everything here. If I need you, I'll ring the bell, but otherwise, I'm on the throne of my life. God's not a bellhop that you can ring the bell and call him. Okay, worshiping demons. Okay, so we're breaking now the first two commandments at least, right? about in uh, Exodus. They did not stop worshiping demons, and now he's going to expound just on that. This is not a new subject. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood. Idols that can't see or hear or walk. People worship the dumbest stuff. Aren't you glad that you worship the living God who revealed himself in his word and in your heart, and in the form of a man on planet Earth who was fully man, but also fully God, both. Uh, unbelievable. Um, so these are clearly all idol worship, so they're breaking those first two commandments. If you read Isaiah 14, we did it a couple weeks ago, and Matthew 4, what you learn about Satan is he has always wanted people to worship him. He even has the gall to say to Jesus, do you remember in Matthew 4? <clears throat> if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He's always wanted worship. He'll get it any way that he can. There are men who are addicted to pornography. Well, that's the immorality thing. Listen, it is. But you know what else it is? It's worship. Worship of a naked body. Or there's women that worship the images of a male body, maybe. It's all worship. What do you 
bow down to and worship. Okay, let's keep going. So there's a couple commandments already broken about that. No, have no other gods before me. Don't make any graven images. That's what he's talking about. Um, let's see. Oh, we got to look at Psalm 115. Keep your finger here. Sorry, another detour. The ADD teacher said 115, I think I said. Psalm 115. Um, Psalm 115. I'll go quickly here. Not to us, O Lord, Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Here comes the idolatry. Watch how ridiculous it is. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases him, whatever pleases him. But their idols are, does this sound familiar? Silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths, but they can't speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. Feet, but they cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. It's so ridiculous. People worship the weirdest stuff. Those who make them will be like them. Isn't that interesting? So will all who trust in them. Okay, we could keep going. Um, go back to uh, Revelation. And you're still awake, right? Say amen. amen. Okay, pretty good. On Zoom, you doing good? Okay. Let's look at the rest of the sins. We've got idol worship, demon worship. Verse 21. Nor did they repent of their murders. Okay, well, you, are you saying the whole world was, the, everybody was killing everybody? I'm not saying everybody was doing all of these. But remember Jesus' definition of murder? If you say to your brother or sister, you fool, hold a grudge, show anger toward them, that's the seed of murder. You've already committed murder. You've already looked on a woman to lust for her. You've already committed adultery if all you've done is look. God's standard is different than ours. So there's, they did not repent of their murders. Let me tell you about a country where... Since the 1970s, this country has murdered, I'm going to get the number wrong, but it's close, 65 million of its people. Anybody know what the country is? It's us. What are you talking about? Capital punishment? No, no, no. You mean murders? That's that many murders? No, no. OJ Sim? No, no, no. Abortion. 65 million children. Listen, if you've had an abortion or been involved in one as a man, there is forgiveness at the cross. I don't mean to make you feel bad. It's murder, though, the intentional killing of an innocent human being. Look it up. That's the definition of murder. Intentional killing something that was alive. Innocent, the baby's not guilty of anything, human being. 46 chromosomes. Shall we move on? Now that I've made everybody uncomfortable. They didn't repent of their murders their sorcery. Do you see that? How many have sorcery as that word? Anybody? Yeah, some magic arts? Okay. The word is pharmakia. You mean like pharmacy, pharmaceutical? It's the same root word. So what are we talking about here? Not only are we talking about um, sorcery and 
all of that stuff, seances, past life regression, um, all that kind of stuff. We're also talking about uh, the use of drugs, which was common in the pagan world. Get into an ecstatic state using drugs. Yes, they had them back then. Um, so there is mass use of, besides the seances and all the magic arts, okay, occult stuff, there is an epidemic on planet Earth at this time, listen, of drug use. Is that happening now? Yes. Let's include alcohol as a drug, shall we? Alter Mind-altering substance. Let's include all the illegal drugs. Okay? getting The number's getting bigger, isn't it? Now let's pinch some toes, and I know there's a place for this stuff, and you need it sometimes. It's totally fine. Pharmaceutical drugs. Drugs that a doctor could prescribe. Oh, you're saying I shouldn't take my blood pressure medicine. No, no, no. Take your medicine. However, there's all kinds of people that are addicted to painkillers. All kinds of people that are addicted to uppers and downers and stuff that's you can find in a pharmacy. Um, I'm going to skip that comment. I was going to say something I better not. Okay. Idols that can't see or hear or walk. They didn't repent of their murders, their sorcery. So in that word is a whole bunch of stuff, not just... Um, you know, pharmaceutical drugs, not just illegal drugs, but all kinds of dark occultic type uh, behavior. Okay. Um, let's keep rolling. Um, what's the next sin? Their sexual immorality. The word sexual is implied by the word uh, immorality. Um, I believe, I didn't look it up, but I believe it's the word porneia. P-O-R-N, first four letters, hello. So you mean just looking at stuff? No, no. I mean looking at stuff and doing it, both, either one, right? All kinds of sexual immorality that would include all kinds of perversion we're seeing today, the blurring of the gender lines more than ever, right? Was that happening 75 years ago? Not like it is now. They didn't repent of this stuff or their thefts. That these all break commandments. Sexual immorality, of course, would be the um, thou shalt not commit adultery, which includes fornication, sex outside of marriage. And the last one is thou shalt not steal, right? Uh, thefts. It's interesting how these sins intersect. Because in a sense, stealing is involved in idolatry. You say, how so? If I am not worshiping the true God or Jesus, but I'm worshiping some idol, am I not robbing from God, stealing from God the glory that is only his and giving it to some other substance or creature or idol of some kind or another? So there's, they are not repenting. Um, okay. I wrote in my, one of the commentaries wrote this and I copied it. Dead sinners worship dead gods. Um, they're gods. The point is they, they have eyes, but they can't see mouths. They can't speak. They can't protect them from all these plagues. And you can bet that they're praying to these idols, please save us because these locusts and these horses, and we're getting stung and people are dying. And 
and nothing's happening. It happened in Egypt. Remember all the plagues? A lot of re repetition here with those. Okay. I think we're done with chapter 9 and moving on to chapter 10. And we got plenty of time. Um, yeah, Satan always wanted worship. Okay. Um, so chapter 10. Uh, we're right now at about the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation. The seven-year tribulation is divided into two halves, three and a half, three and a half. The first half, you might be surprised to learn, is not nearly as bad as the second half. You say, are you kidding? The first half seemed pretty bad to me. It gets way worse. Um, keep in mind that... Um, just like with the seven seals, if you remember, they came rapid fire. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then there was a pause. Silence in heaven, this sealing of the Jews, 144,000, sealing of the great multitude. There's a pause. Now we're at the end of the sixth trumpet. It's time for the seventh trumpet. You can read the whole chapter 10. There's no seventh trumpet. Not even into halfway into chapter 11. This is a little interlude, both for mercy, God remembering his people, and for some other reasons. There's three mysteries we're going to look at. The mystery of the mighty angel, the mystery of God, which is mentioned, and the mystery of the little scroll. That's what we're going to talk about in a moment here. But we're midway through, three and a half years in. Um, we know from other passages in the first three and a half years, remember the white horse? We said most scholars think that was the Antichrist coming with a bow, but with no arrows. He brings peace without firing a shot. Everybody trusts him. From Daniel, we learn that the Antichrist in the first half of the tribulation is a friend to Israel, makes a pact with Israel. And now he's going to break it in the second half. He allowed them to build a temple and have worship. Halfway through, Antichrist, chapter 13, that'll be a while before we get there, is going to show up and say, I changed my mind. You can still have the temple. You can still worship, but you got to worship me, the Antichrist. So a lot of changes are going to occur in this second half of the tribulation. This is another uh, pause in the story. So keep that in mind. Let's get started. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then I saw, John writing, another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud. And the question, of course, is who is this? Watch. I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his eyes were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Isn't that interesting? Okay, let's skip all that because I don't know what it means. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, first question, who's the mighty angel? Opinion number one, 
minority opinion, but there's some really good scholars. Ray Stedman, amazing scholar, scholar, I heard him speak, he used to be in Palo Alto. He believes this is Jesus Christ, the mighty angel. I'll show you why. Robed in a cloud, the Shekinah glory was a cloud. He's robed, he's wearing a cloud of glory with a rainbow above his head, rainbow going back to Noah's Ark and all that. There was a rainbow on the throne of God in chapter, he was either four or five. Um, he's holding a little scroll. That's the scroll from before. He's holding it. Jesus is the one that took it. It's Jesus. Or is it? His legs were like fiery pillars. Um, his face was like the sun. Sounds like Jesus in chapter one, similar at least. By the way, whoever this is, it's really big. Did you see that? He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. I don't think this is a six foot tall, 5'11 man, one foot on the sea. One foot. It just sounds like it's a giant creature to me, mighty angel or a form. It's apocalyptic literature, so who knows? Some scholars think he gives a loud, that it's Jesus. He gives a loud shout like the roar of a lion the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's Jesus. Or is it? When he shouts, the seven thunders speak. But whatever they say, John is about to write it down and he's told, no, no, no. You got to keep that quiet. Isn't that interesting? We'll get to that. Okay. The majority opinion is it's not Jesus. I'll show you why. Because of the, in NIV, the fourth word is, verse one is another. Do you see that? Then I saw another. Okay. Believe it or not, that word's really, really important because uh, it, it is the Greek word for uh, alon, A-L-L-O-N, alone. It means another of the same kind. Then I saw another angel of the same kind, another mighty angel of the same kind. That's not Jesus. He's not like the angels. Read uh, Hebrews 1 makes that point over and over. Um, again, it's not the seventh angel with the seventh trumpet. This is an interlude. Um, by the way, Jesus is called the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Another reason they think it's Jesus. But it's another of the same kind. Some unnamed, really mighty angel. Remember, there's hierarchies of power among angels. They're not all equal privates in the army, some are corporals, some are generals. Could it be Michael? Could it be Gabriel? I don't know. Another, but it's a special mighty angel. Um, another of the same kind. They're created spirit beings. Jesus is the uncreated creator. Never in Revelation is Jesus called an angel. So if he's called an angel here, it would be very unusual. Um, there is a word, het heteros, or heteros, which is Greek for another of a different kind. Doesn't use that here. So it's probably the angel, uh, another mighty angel, not Jesus. Um, also in verse 5 and 6, then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and the land raised his right hand to heaven. He's going to give an oath. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, and the earth that's in it, and the sea that's in it. Wait. Jesus is swearing by himself because he created the world. doesn't make a lot of sense, I don't think. Maybe it is. If I get to heaven and it is, I'm going to be apologizing the first 800 years I'm there. 
But let's keep rolling, shall we? I believe this is just another angel. In Daniel 10, 5, another angel appears very similar um, to this one, by the way. Um, Let's see, another strong angel. So let's look at this passage again. He comes down from heaven, robed in a cloud with great glory. Angels do have great glory. Remember twice in the book of Revelation, John encounters an angel face to face. Do you remember? Twice. And is so overcome with the appearance and the glory that he bows down. And the angel says, no, 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 get up. Don't do that. We don't do that here. Only worship God. Remember? Christ. So some kind of a mighty uh, angel, his appearance is mind-blowing. Again, sounds like a sci-fi movie. He's holding a little scroll. It seems to be designating this as a different scroll from the scroll with the seven seals. It's a little scroll. A lot of scholars think it's sort of like the Reader's Digest version of the big scroll, the abridged version, you know, the cliff notes, if you ever cheated in college or uh, classes like that. It's an abridged version of it. He's holding a little scroll. The old scroll, the big one with the seven seals, we said was the title deed to the earth. It was also God's entire plan for how to tie up every loose end, punish all sin finally, punish the devil, punish angels, reward righteousness, seat Jesus as the king of the world. That's the scroll. So this could be a similar one. He's holding that a a little scroll, um, but it seems to be being different, uh, designated as different from the other one. Um, Let's see. We already talked about that. Again, apocalyptic literature, you got to have a little patience because you're waiting to hear, well, what was in the little scroll? And guess what? We're never told but he's holding a little scroll. It could be, a lot of scholars think it's the rest of Revelation. I'll show you that why, because believe it or not, before we're done, John's going to eat the little scroll. You heard right. Um, So from here to the end, all of God's plan. Okay. Um, Let's see. Okay. Verse two, holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Well, if you plant your foot on the sea and you're just a human being, you know what happens? You sink, right? Only one guy planted his foot on the sea. Okay, maybe Peter technically too, but Jesus, right? Another reason why they think it's Jesus. What's being shown here is the earth is made up of the land and the sea. He's saying, God, for whom I work as this powerful angel, has dominion over all this stuff. One foot on the land, one foot on the sea, some giant creature, right? Um, One foot in Monterey, one foot in the Pacific Ocean, for example. Uh, Maybe it's probably the Mediterranean, though. Anyway, um, okay, back to the text. Let's take it apart a little more. Verse 3, he gives a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. Now, thunder, you've heard thunder before, right? Sometimes really loud, really scary. I heard it, the loudest I've ever heard it was at my brother's house in Texas. I thought bombs were going off. And my brother said, what? It's just thunder. Not like, we don't get it like they do. Anyway, this is not normal thunder. How do you know that? Because the seven thunders spoke 
right? Can God make thunder spoke? If he can make uh, a donkey talk, don't you think he can make thunder speak? Probably something about his glory. We don't know what was said. And so the thunder spoke. Um, Psalm 29 talks about thunder speaking. So this is verse four, an authoritative voice. When the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but here comes the authoritative voice, probably Christ or God. I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and don't write it down. I want to know, don't you? I think we'll know in heaven, right? You can take a class on that, four-week seminar. Um, but for some reason, God doesn't want us to know that. Okay, here's the principle. Everything that God wanted human beings to know is in the Bible. Everything. First of all, he's God. So he's not in heaven going, you know what I wish I had put in that I forgot? You ever get to the store and you forgot something on your list or you get home from the grocery store? God doesn't forget. Everything God wanted us to know is in the Bible. And there's plenty in there, isn't there? But there are some things we can't handle. I don't think we can understand. Um, did you ever see the movie, A Few Good Men? Jack Nicholson's famous line is, you can't handle the truth. Remember that? I think there's some truth we're not ready to handle right now. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 goes to heaven. In fact, I'm in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to go there real quickly. 2 Corinthians 12. You don't need to turn there. I won't be here long. I will go on. I'm in the middle of verse 1. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. He talks about himself in the third person here. I know a man who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. He means himself. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Paul gets this vision of heaven or is caught up to heaven, maybe taken there bodily. He's not sure. But God knows, verse 4, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Again, I want to know, right? He saw some stuff. You're waiting. Tell us about heaven, Paul. You know, he's a great writer. I can't tell you. Wow. I'm not worried about it, though, because knowing God, it's unbelievable. So good, we couldn't even understand it. Um, or comprehend it. Okay, so uh, reason, why not record it? There's some secrets that we can't know. We can't know everything, okay? And I'm okay with that. Um, it, it makes me, as an expositor, someone who teaches from the Word of God, even more humble that I shouldn't dogmatically say, this is what it means, because there's a lot of times where like, I, I'm not that sure. Could be this, this, or this. Guys smarter than me have looked at it and thought the same thing. But the point is, there's things that we can't know now. Um, let's see, 1 Corinthians, um, is that where it is? I think my note's wrong. 1 Corinthians 13, go there with me briefly. I think I'm wrong, though. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it is right. What do you know? First time ever. 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Here it comes. Now, present tense, in, a, in 
not America, but on planet Earth, we're living human beings. Paul tells us now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. We see in a glass dimly is literally how it reads. Okay. Corinth was known for making mirrors. You say, oh, that's nice. Listen, they were nothing like the mirror in your house. It was brass polished. The metal tended to get almost like a funhouse mirror where it was a distorted look the way you looked. Remember, you ever see those funhouse mirrors? Um, oh, look, it looks like I lost weight kind of thing. They were very distorted. He's saying right now, spiritually speaking, we can know some things, but we see a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then he's talking about heaven, the eternal state being with God. We shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then listen to this, then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. Now God knows everything about you. And the shocking thing is he still likes you right? He knows all those dark secrets that none of us know. He knows he still loves the heck out of you. We will know fully and see face to face. Then we'll be able to understand the mysteries that right now God says, no, don't write that down. They wouldn't get it. Let's keep rolling, shall we? We're almost out of time. Um, let's see. So what he says is, uh, he's, uh, let's see. No, don't write it down. Yeah, we already talked about that. Verse five. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea in the sand raised his right hand to heaven and he swore, he's taking an oath about something. One specific thing. Watch what it is. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, God, who created the heavens and, the, and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea that's all that's in it, dominion, the guy that created all of it, who is that? God the Father, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God, period. He swore by him and said, here it comes, there will be no more delay, no more timeouts, no more, it, we really got to get to the end here. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God probably what's in the little scroll, his whole plan for planet earth at the end will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So you've got to read Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and, and John in Revelation and put it all together and other books as well. Um, in the Bible, a mystery is not something um, unknowable. It's something that wasn't knowable until now, and it's being revealed. Here are some things listed in the Bible that are called mysteries. Romans 11.25 calls the conversion of Jews to Christianity a mystery, because at that time, the Jews were shunning Jesus and persecuting Christians, and Christianity was mostly a Gentile thing. It still is, but there are more and more Jews, Messianic Jews, completed Jews, whatever you want to call them, who have found Jesus Christ is Lord, Messiah for the Jews and the Gentiles. He is the Messiah predicted in the Old Testament. So that's called a mystery in the Bible. Another one is Ephesians 3, 3 through 11, God's purpose for the church. He calls it a 
mystery. Because in the Old Testament, you can't really find the church that clearly. You surely find Jesus the Messiah, but the fact that it's going to be Gentile churches spreading the gospel for the most part until the end is sort of uh, concealed in the Old Testament, revealed in the New. Another mystery. Another one is um, that there was a, there will be a time, Romans eleven twenty five, when God will bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. What do you mean? God has a number in his head, in his mind, that is the total number of Gentiles he plans to save. I don't know how many there are. We might be getting really close. When we get to that number, God turns his attention to the Jews during sometime during the seven-year tribulation. Does that mean no more Gentiles get saved? I don't know. Maybe. Um, another mystery is um, the living presence of Jesus Christ in you, in believers. The fact that Jesus Christ, a being that lived 2,000 years ago, fully God and fully man, can live inside you and I in the form of the Holy Spirit is mind-blowing, right? Jews had to go to the temple to worship God. Guess what? You need to come to church to worship God, but you can worship God at a 7-Eleven store, on the top of a mountain, at the garbage dump. You can worship him anywhere. You know why? Because he walks around inside of you. We're out of time. And most of you are asleep anyway. Say amen. All right, let's pray and we'll get out of here and we'll pick it up next week. It's getting interesting. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this amazing book and this time we could spend. We're reading these horrible plagues on an evil world, God. And apart from your grace, we'd be some of those evil people doing those evil things but you've saved us. You've drawn us. You've called us. You chose us. It's mind-blowing to us, and we deserve punishment, and yet on the cross, there was Jesus taking our punishment, individually and collectively. What an amazing thing. So we watch as you take the world back, God, and give it to the rightful owner, your son Jesus, the rightful king. As the day approaches, and it might be getting closer and closer, in fact, it is, we pray that you'd make us more ready for the spectacular, astounding things in case we're alive here, if we haven't been raptured, that you would protect and preserve and prepare your church for what's coming and make us mindful of the fact we're supposed to be spreading the gospel everywhere we go. Thank you for these truths, God. Thank you that you're in control, that there's no accidents. Romans 8.28 is still true. Bless each one here, God. Let us grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Son. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Make sure you say hello to someone you don't know. That's really important. Those of you on Zoom, God bless you. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.